probably have to, uh, three studies to do in uh, this particular uh, study, the precious blood. And I want somebody to get for me First uh, Peter 1.19. If somebody would like to get that, it's our key scripture. Somebody help me right in this section. Uh, Sharon and uh, uh, Kathy, if you'll get for me, Revelation 1.5. And then I want uh, Genesis 34, 1 and 2, somebody else, uh, Dennis. And uh, Jimmy, if you get for me, Ezekiel 33, 22 through, uh, 20, Ezekiel 33, 2, 3 through 26. And uh, somebody else like to get for me, Leviticus 18, uh, Bill Bronson. And so uh, we want to uh, continue with our study. And I uh, wonder if we could just get a little bit of uh, input and review uh, since it's been a couple of weeks since we uh, were on this. I wonder, uh, uh, from the people sitting here today, uh, what facet of this study, the precious blood, uh, is the main facet that you've learned? Somebody tell me what you've learned. Uh, Philip? Okay, so uh, Philip says that the, the thing that uh, has uh, impressed him is the uh, knowledge about the actual dynamics of cutting the covenant upon which uh, the entire revelation of Jesus Christ is built and God's uh, uh, session together with Abraham and both the Old Testament or Old Covenant and New Covenant uh, or New Testament are based upon the understanding of the principles of cutting the covenant which are in every society uh, on earth. They have some uh, form of this that's, uh, that has come down. And so the understanding of that uh, historically has helped him to understand uh, something that is very important in Bible revelation. Somebody else, what are, what's the main facet that you've learned in this study? Uh, Jimmy? power of the blood, uh, uh, its protection over believers and saints. And so, uh, can you explain that? Any kind of dynamics? What, what does that mean? By pleading the blood. Okay, that's what I was looking for. And so, uh, somebody tell me what it means to plead the blood. What do we mean to plead the blood? Don't you love classes where you have to think? The test of teaching is by review and application. And if you didn't get it, then you didn't get it. Uh, Pete? We have certainty. Yes. In the little book, uh, The Glory and the Blood, uh, it uh, defines very aptly uh, that this is a legal process. And so, by faith, we take the benefits that have been wrought through the blood covenant, which Christ shed for both God and man. He cut, the, uh, he cut the covenant for both God and man because he was both God and man. And that pleading means that we, by faith, take this and we, as uh, in a similarity of a court of law, we, we plead this or present our case. And uh, by faith, 
Uh, when we do this, the devil loses his power, loses his grip. So that's a very important part and, uh, and one of the great facets of this. Everything that we have, every benefit that we get, uh, every good uh, and, uh, and precious gift uh, that, uh, that comes down from the Father of lights is based upon not a hopefulness that perhaps uh, we'll hit the lottery with God and uh, that maybe something will happen, but it's based upon the revelation that God has already uh, cut the covenant through the precious blood of Jesus Christ, and the benefits come from the cutting of that covenant. They're covenant benefits. This is not hopefulness. This is not wishful thinking. This is not spiritual lottery. This is faith that lays hold of what God has done and enforces that on the devil. The devil only understands one thing, and that's the authority uh, that is given through the blood covenant and faith through the Holy Spirit anointing. That's the only thing he recognizes. You, you can carry a Bible, big black Bible, great big Bible. You can carry it. Uh, you can uh, act religious. You can flutter your eyes when songs are sung, wave your hand. You can do all of that. It doesn't make it mean a thing to him. The one thing that means something to him is when from your lips there comes a verbal uh, expression, proclamation uh, that uh, it forces him to obey what the Spirit of God has wrought in Calvary's tree. Very good. And anybody else? Uh, Sister Ren Carell. Have to talk real loud for me. All right. When she sang the songs, the oppression lifted. Learned a good lesson. Okay, that's pleading the blood. That's one form of pleading the blood, singing the blood songs. Very good. And so uh, this is reality. Anybody else have a have a, uh, a facet that has impressed you? Uh, anything other than what uh, we've just now talked about, pleading the blood, the study of the precious blood of Jesus. Anybody else have any other thought? Okay, let's. Uh, 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 why is the blood precious? Let me ask you that. Carol? Okay, it is precious because there, if anything's precious, it means it's unique or there's nothing else like it. And so Jesus Christ, uh, our Lord, is both God and man. He's God incarnate. He represents both God and man. He came as the Son of Man. Uh, and uh, that blood is unique. He was without sin. He was a lamb without spot or blemish. And when he shed that blood... Uh, it has a power because it is unique, and that's why it's precious. Okay, and so uh, uh, we've uh, pretty much talked about uh, deliverance, so let's go on this morning and uh, uh, let's have our scripture uh, because we want to talk about uh, the precious blood this morning. We want to talk about the cleansing blood. And so the precious blood of Jesus Christ is not only unique because of its essence. We've just uh, talked about that. It's unique in its ability. Not just because of its essence, that it is the precious blood of Jesus Christ, one God's only begotten Son. It is unique, and this is all Bible. This is, we're going we're to talk about. This is unique because of its ability. So the problem of sin is our problem. How many of you know that our problem is the sin problem? It's more than what we do. It's what we become. See, when you sin, you become something. You may think that 
You can uh, uh, divert off a little detour, a little bit of sin, a little pleasure, cut it off, shut the faucet off, come back online. But you see, that's not uh, true about sin. Sin has unique qualities. It is a spiritual uh, uh, dimension. There's a spiritual element. There's a spiritual force. There's a, there's a devil behind it. And it's not uh, only what you do. It's what you become. It's very crucial that you understand that. You cannot sin without becoming something. If you allow sin to run its course, James says, Let no man, when he's tempted, uh, say, I'm tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempts he any man. But every man is tempted when he's uh, 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 led aside by his own lust. Then, And lust is, means unlawful desire of any kind against God, God's will. Then when sin has conceived, uh, 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 when lust is conceived, it brings forth sin. And sin, when sin is finished, it brings forth death. Now that's the processes of sin. It's what you become. It's not only what you do, it's what you become. And it has a moral and a spiritual dimension. Sin defiles the mind and it pollutes the soul. And only the blood of Jesus Christ has the power and the ability to cleanse. First Peter one nineteen. Let's have this scripture. But with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb, without spot and blemish. Revelations one five talks about the cleansing of the blood. We want to talk about cleansing this morning. If Kathy would read that to us out loud. Here's one of the most powerful statements. This is ignored by psychiatrists. This is ignored by uh, religious people to their peril. It is ignored by large segments that profess Christianity today. And the statement is, uh, who has cleansed us uh, or washed us in his own blood? Washed us in his own blood. Now, people who... Uh, are filled with unbelief, who are religious, who are not born again, immediately when you say, washed in his own blood, uh, they're appalled at that. Uh, they, uh, see, they see the uh, bloody cross, they see the, uh, the Jesus depiction on the plaza or in the parade, and they write letters, they call me on the phone, they're, uh, they're incense, this is uh, like pagan religion, this is, uh, this is an affront. To their intelligence, this is uh, it stirs up every demon in hell because the devil knows what that blood will do. That's why you get such a, a horrendous reaction when we put a public depiction. They don't care. You can put prostitutes naked on a on a, on a float. You can put uh, gunfire killing people in the streets. You can put go-go dancers down. You can do anything. No problem. This is society. And we just roll with the punch. Hey, well, that's the way life is. But put a bloody cross on with a, a real uh, depiction of Jesus Christ dying on the cross, and you'll get a reaction that is surprising to you because the devil knows what that is. Okay. So mankind is defiled and polluted by sin. Sin is not just something that we do. It's something that we become. It has far greater dimensions than an act that we do, and mankind is defiled and polluted by sin. There's a moral defilement. Genesis 34, 1 and 2. 
Right, here's Jacob's daughter. Shechem takes this girl. He lays with her. And the Bible says he defiled her. Here is uh, uh, sexual uh, uh, immorality. And uh, here uh, uh, is a, a sexual uh, encounter. And out of that, the Bible says that this girl is defiled. This is uh, fornication. This is sex out of marriage. This is opposing the will of God. And you will not fornicate without defilement. Say, well, that's, uh, you know, this, I'm just going to do this and then I'm going to come back here. No, you're not going to do this and then come back here. When you do this, there's a moral defilement and you cannot escape it. It is in the spiritual realm. It's in creation. God has made mankind with those faculties. And you don't just go do this and then suddenly come back to what you were. You never will be the same. Okay? Exodus, uh, or Ezekiel, rather, 33, 23 through 26. All right, here's a, uh, here's a statement, and God goes on to say in other places, the land has been defiled, or the land has been polluted. Uh, here's idolatry, here's murder, and God says this is a pollution of sin. Leviticus 18, 21 through 23. Okay, here's uh, God speaking plainly and says that bestiality will pollute the, not only the land, it's a moral and a spiritual defilement. Homosexuality will pollute it. I have no doubt that uh, some of the horrible problems we have in our society are a direct result. God's letting our land be cursed because the nation will not take a stand on homosexuality. And uh, the boy president, as I said in his sermon, uh, uh, he just uh, stood before a, a $500 a plate gathering of the lesbian gay movement and told them that he's going to propagate legislation uh, that will, uh, in, in his words, uh, remove uh, 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 partiality or uh, discrimination. What he really means is going to give them favored status in our nation. And when you do that, you'll curse your land. You can't escape that. You need to realize that when people around you begin to say, well, you're too narrow-minded, you remember that, that you're dealing with your land, you're dealing with your city, you're dealing with your children, you're dealing with your future and your inheritance, and you, if you allow that uh, without any opposition, then you do it to your peril because there's a moral and a spiritual defilement. Here's a spiritual defilement. I want these scriptures in Exodus, or Ezekiel rather, 20 verse 7. Somebody in this section, Ezekiel 20, verse 7. Uh, Joel Morrison, the Leviticus 18, 24 through 27. Casey Woolwin, Mark 7, verse 20. Uh, Brenda, uh, Twister, Jude 8. So here's a spiritual defilement. We're dealing with a moral defilement, a spiritual defilement. And this is the problem with sin. We have to understand this. To understand the precious blood of Jesus, you have to understand this defilement, this pollution. Uh, Ezekiel 20, verse 7. Idolatry is a defilement. I uh, preach in nations uh, where idolatry is rampant, has right of way. You can see immediately the horrible effects upon the society. You can see them caught up in superstition. You can see them cursed. You can see their children cursed. You can see their bodies cursed by disease. Uh, in Fiji, uh, just the latest place I was at, uh, is uh, here's uh, uh, half the population are Hindus, 
they're brought over by the British to work the cane fields in the sugar cane industry in Fiji. And, uh, and these people are cursed. Uh, they, uh, they, it's a horrible thing. They're in, in Hindu religion. And uh, this is true in Malaysia. This is true in India. And uh, you can say all you want to about intelligence. You can say all you want to about education. Uh, but I want to tell you, all you have to do is step into one of those crusades and see these people and their children are cursed by idolatry and false religion. And this is what the Bible says, that this will bring a curse upon the land. Uh, the book of uh, Leviticus 18, 24 through 27. Okay, God's speaking is a follow-up to Leviticus 18, uh, 21 through 23 we read before. And he says that there's a condition that is on the land. This is uh, uh, upon your land because if you do these things, he says uh, uh, that the, uh, the, the land itself will vomit you out. Because this is what's happening, and he said, this is why I'm bringing you into the land. That's why I'm judging the inhabitants of that land, because of the defilements, uh, because of their spiritual defilements in the deeds of homosexuality, bestiality, idolatry, uncleanness, witchcraft, uh, and so on and so forth. I'm casting out the inhabitants, and the land itself will vomit you out. And I want to tell you that in the realm of, of uh, natural phenomena, we call natural phenomena, you can study. There's something happening on planet Earth. As Jesus prophesied, earthquakes are multiplying fantastically. If you see the statistic, it'll blow your mind. We, we, because one doesn't split this building in two or come down the middle of our city, say, well, we, we have the idea. Well, this has always been that way. It has not been always been that way. We see natural disasters. Uh, that are uh, being made manifest. And what's happening on planet Earth is the whole creature, uh, the Bible says in Romans, groans and travails uh, until now. The more that sin uh, uh, degenerates planet Earth and society, the more the entire creation is brought into that and a great deal of the curse of, uh, of phenomena in the weather that uh, is brings floods, brings earthquakes, brings tornadoes. Uh, and this is increasing. It has not always been this way and uh, all you have to do is read the statistic and you find that these words are very true that uh, curse is upon the earth and bringing forth these things mark 7 verse 20 real loud for me you have a little soft voice i can't hear it okay somebody read the king james what are you reading out of the Living Bible, I thought so. I hope you don't read that all the time. I hope you read the King James or the, or the New King James or something a little closer to a translation. That's an interpretation of Scripture. Mark 7.20. Somebody read that for me from a King James. I'm not, I'm not insulting you, Brenda. I'm just stating a fact. Okay. Uh, somebody would like to read that, Mark 7.20. Would you read that for me, Tony? What comes out of the man, that defiles the man. 
And so uh, uh, I'm not sure the thought life comes out of man, but his words do. Isn't that correct? His words defile the man, and so we're talking about sin and its defilement. Jude chapter 8. Doesn't say anything about filthy dreamers. Okay, does it say filthy dreamers? What translation do you have? (laughs) What? New King James. Somebody get King James for us. Somebody get King James. Does 15 give it? No. Who's got it? We have a problem here. Michael, would you read the the King James? Okay, there it is. See, that's why you have to watch when you study the Bible. That's why you need preachers. They rightly divide the word of truth. Okay? These filthy dreamers. So here we find the thought life, Brenda, that defiles the flesh is because of the filthy dreamers. We're going to get down to that a little bit more. And not only that, but they speak evil of dignities. There's a whole spiritual thing, and the defilement comes. So there's a spiritual pollution. I want Lamentations, 414. Lamentations comes after Jeremiah. Somebody over here on this side would like to get that for me. Lamentations, uh, Richard Hernandez, Ezekiel 14, verse 11. Somebody would like to get that. It's Rob Kennard, 2 Peter 2, 18 through 20. Uh, it's David Barnes in Titus 1, 15 through 16. Somebody here. Somebody in this section. Titus 1. Uh, uh, Sean, would you get that for us? Lamentations 4, 14. Spiritual pollution. Remember that sin is not just what we do. Sin is what we become. And uh, when you begin to understand it's what we become, then comes the crisis What are we going to do to reverse this process and to nullify the effects of what we've become? That's the crises of of, uh, religion, and uh, that uh, that must be settled satisfactory. And this is why the, the Bible says there's none other name given among men whereby we must be saved. And it says that without uh, uh, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. This is why there must be blood. This is why a counseling session can't help you and bring you total deliverance. This is why a psychologist sitting down and saying to you, you know what you you are? You're a selfish, introverted pig. Well, you know that already, but that doesn't help you any. Here's what you're doing wrong. You're doing X, 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 X wrong. But that won't help you because the problem is sin. It doesn't give you the power to pull out of that, even if the, uh, the, if the psychiatrist is fairly honest and will tell you the truth about yourself. It doesn't help you. Lamentations 4.14. All right. They've defiled themselves with blood so that no one would touch their garments. Here is a, here is a uh, pollution. And this pollution is a spiritual pollution. Ezekiel 14, verse 11. All right, here we find again that uh, that the thought of sin isn't that, uh, oops, slipsies. Uh, slipsies, up. Uh, uh, you know what, I, I fell. Well, you know, uh, I made a mistake. Well, 
you know, I, uh, they made me do it. Well, you know, no, 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 that's not what sin is. Sin is pollution. Sin is an invasion of the entire personality. The Apostle Paul said, he that commits fornication sins against his own body. He's talking about his entire personality. So here's the problem with sin. It's pollution. It's defilement. It's an abomination in the sight of God as far deeper than slipsies. Well, Pastor, I, uh, you know, I, uh, I, I made a mistake. No, you didn't make a mistake. You sinned. Let's put it in the right framework. Well, uh, 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 it's a disease. This is my problem. I was, uh, uh, is, uh, here's uh, this obese woman, and she's saying, well, this is, uh, uh, I've got a disease. No, you've got, uh, uh, you've got uh, an appetite. Well, what isn't somebody feels sorry for me? I've got a disease. No, you've got, you've got sin. The sin is self-indulgence, just like a fornicator, alcoholic. See, alcoholism is not a disease. Alcoholism is a sin. Well, what I have is a sexual addiction. No, that's when all your problem is. Your problem is that you've allowed sin to take your appetite and drive you. That's what your problem is. Man, but you don't understand me. I'm so weak. No, you're not weak. Your will uh, is given to a perverse appetite. That's what your problem is. Are we still aboard this morning? Okay. Sin is the problem. Second Peter 2, 18 through 20 warns every backslider. Those of you who are uh, studying eternal security, uh, you, uh, the, uh, the Calvinists can't get this verse out of the Bible. It's in there, and uh, this is very serious business with eternal security, and it speaks uh, profound volumes uh, to backsliders. Second Peter 2.18, you might as well go through the verse 22. David Barnes, is that your, you back there? All right, he's talking about false teachers, false doctrine always winds up in immorality. That's the end of it. And he says that they lure through the lust of the flesh. They appeal to the base nature and, uh, and they, 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 they uh, uh, lure you or tempt you through that. Go ahead, David. They say to you, this is a wonderful freedom. This is a tremendous liberty. You want to be free. You're caught up in legalism. That's what you folks' problem are. You're attending the Potter's house, and the preacher over there is a condemnation preacher, and he is caught up in legalism. But if you come to the first church of the Frigidaire, you'll be free. I've never felt so free. I've sat across the desk from fornicators, and they've told me exactly, I've never felt so free. Well, the reason you feel so free is the euphoria that's brought by the devil who now has you on the way to hell in your fornication. They promise them liberty. They themselves are the servants of corruption. Go ahead. Okay, so here's the picture he draws. He wants to make this very graphic. And he said, if after they've escaped the pollutions of the world, that's not salvation, then I'll throw in with you. What other interpretation can you give to that? You've escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, you are again entangled therein and overcome. You do not resist temptation. 
you don't confess sin when you've committed it, uh, and you pursue that, then the latter end of you is worse than if you never knew Christ. The ways of transgressors are hard. I want to tell you, backsliders live in constant terror. Oh, they may say to you, I've never done better in my life. Don't lie to me. You're afraid of turning on the electric blanket at night. So he draws this graphic picture of a pig that you can take a pig and, and wash it up. And it'll go back to Walling and Smire. That's what you've done. God has cleansed you, washed you, but you've gone back wallowing in the mire and of a dog that's returned to its vomit. And you've heard my famous story about my little dog, Old Nick. He was a, a 57 varieties. He was a cute little, he was a bulldog mixing some kind of had little short legs. He had black and white little pointy ears. He was as sharp as a tie. I love that little dog, but he had a bad habit. And that bad habit was a, a vomiting and then when he got through vomiting, he'd go, I'd watch him. And then as soon as his retching is finished, he'd go down and lap it back up. He'd tear God. <laughs> and then he want to lick my face. <laughs> he was a cute little dog. I love that little dog. But I want to tell you what, that hard to stomach. Here's the picture that the apostle draws of a person who's done this and says this horrible, unnatural, abominable, obnoxious picture is there of those who once were saved and they go back to this vomit called sin. He's drawing that beautiful picture of sin. Titus 1, 15 and 16. Okay, these are words that have described the condition of man, and the great cry of the human heart is for cleansing. This is more than forgiveness. We're talking about an actual cleansing. This is not just a legal thing where God says, I forgive you, but this is a, a, a deeper uh, 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 move of God in your personality and in your conscience because the sin has done more than just stain your reputation. It stained your conscience. I want Psalms 19 Verse 12, right in this section here. Somebody like to get that for me quickly. Psalms 19, verse 12. Uh, Steve Hernandez, Psalm 51, verse 2. Casey Wolven, Psalms 119, verse 9. Uh, Dennis Keppel, Isaiah 116. Isaiah 116. Uh, Mac, if you get that for me. And so here are the words that begin to bring us the picture of cleansing, of washing of the desperate need of the polluted soul of man, defiled uh, and uh, uh, polluted to be cleansed. Uh, Psalms 19, verse 12. Cleanse me from secret faults. Here's the heart cry of every person. I want to tell you uh, that uh, the cry of the human heart is for actual cleansing. Mankind will never be happy 
just being religious. I have many places that I preach, and there's religious crowds. In Fiji, uh, the Methodist church years ago evangelized uh, Fiji. In every village, uh, there's a Methodist church. It's a part of the entire community. But I want to tell you that when uh, they come into a crusade and you preach on sin and give an altar call, a clear-cut shot for salvation being born again, hundreds of hands go up because they're desperate to find cleansing in the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Man will never be happy just simply being religious. He must be clean. Psalms 51, verse 2. Here's the heart of David. Wash me, a condemned conscience. His sins are before him. He's committed uh, adultery. He's committed murder. And uh, this is before him. And Psalms 51 is that great psalm where he cries out. It's not enough to be religious. Not enough to know about God. He has to have that cleansing. Psalms 119, verse 9. Young people have particular sins. He, uh, he notes this right now and says, How can a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to his word? And that word speaks of blood sacrifice. Isaiah 1, verse 16. All right, here we have it again. Uh, the, the picture there again and again is a washing and a cleansing. And uh, the Bible speaks of the blood of Jesus Christ as the only agent to that can cleanse heart and conscience, that's why it's precious. And so I want, uh, on my far left, 1 John 1, 7 through 9. Somebody like to get that. Louis Polino, Psalm 51, 10. Uh, Dennis Halverson, Hebrews 9, 13 and 14. Uh, Michael, uh, Titus 2, 14. Uh, Joel, uh, uh, Scott Lamb, Psalm 51, 7. I want in this section, Titus 3.5. Titus 3.5. Somebody get that for us. Twister. Uh, Revelation 7.14. Somebody in this section right here. Uh, Sean and Acts 22, verse 16. Somebody like to get that for me. Is Paul Heimberg. So the blood of Jesus Christ, the reason it is precious is it is the only element that is in time or eternity for the cleansing of of heart and of conscience. No other uh, uh, element will prevail. First John 1, 7 through 9. Here's the words cleanse, cleanse, cleanse. There it is. And he speaks of uh, the blood of Jesus Christ. This is the only element that will actually perform that work of cleansing. It will penetrate beyond the surface of religious profession. It will clean, uh, penetrate beyond the surface profession, reaches down to give you a cleansing of heart and mind. That's why it's such a precious thing. And Psalms 51.10. We sing that chorus often. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Don't just make me religious, but I want a clean heart. I want God, I want to inside, I want to be clean. Not just religious, 
I want to be cleansed. Hebrews 9, 13 and 14 is a great verse of Scripture for the pornographic generation. All right, here's a great promise for uh, this generation that is being polluted uh, beyond anything that I fully know or understand because I'm not involved in it. I counsel people that are involved in this and see the awful imprint that pornography has made upon their minds, the viewing, the involvement in, the uh, constant uh, turmoil that it places within the human personality. And here the Bible says that there's tremendous hope because if the blood of bulls and of goats sanctified the purifying of the flesh, this is the outward, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit, offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience, cleanse your conscience, get rid of that through the blood of the everlasting covenant. And I want to tell you, it's a wonderful joy to see people who have been polluted, are stained by that, are, are driven by that, to see them find the precious blood of Jesus Christ and find cleansing that their thought life no longer is dominated by the past deeds that they've done. The, uh, the moral defilement, the, the, uh, uh, the pollution that they've allowed themselves to fall into, the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Titus 2.14. What God is involved in is purifying to himself uh, his own special people. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad for that? That's what God's about. This is why uh, you hear sermons, and these sermons convict you, is because uh, God doesn't want to just leave you in your puke, in your uh, wallowing in the mire. He wants you to be clean, and so this is why uh, there's a purging and a cleansing, and this is why there's a purifying uh, to himself, uh, a, a people for himself. Psalms 51, verse 7. Purge me with hyssop. He's drawing from an imagery of the Old Testament where the blood was caught in the sacrifice. Hyssop was dipped in like a brush, and it was sprinkled with the hyssop, and that was a releasing of the sin that was involved. But here he draws it into a New Testament setting and, uh, and, and brings us the precious blood of Jesus in imagery uh, because... Uh, he says that that blood has power. Purge me with hyssop, with hyssop, and I shall be clean. That's the cry of the human heart, is to be clean. Let's have uh, uh, Titus 3, 5. Not by religious works we've done. We've done so many religious works, and so now we find favor. So that's not what saves us. We've been saved by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. And there we know there is no washing without the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Revelation 7.14 Here's this powerful imagery again, uh, the precious blood of Jesus Christ. It's throughout the Scripture, and there's not salvation in any other. So 
How do we get this to operate? It's repentance and a confession and our faith. So I want some scripture right here. Second Corinthians seven one. Somebody get that for us. Steve, if you'll get that. James one twenty one. Uh Kathy. I want Colossians three eight. Uh Mick. I want Second uh, uh, Peter two seven. Uh, Don Galati. I want Revelation twenty two eleven. Uh, Bob, I want First uh, Corinthians six eleven. Uh, Pete, if you read those for us, here here's the filthiness of sin, but there's a there's a solution, and that is repentance and faith. There must be repentance, a confession, and faith in that precious blood that activates it and makes it real. Second Corinthians seven one. Therefore, having these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and of the spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God or bringing holiness to a full manifestation. And I want James 1, 21. Therefore, laying aside all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, uh, let us lay this aside and pursue uh, the call to holiness. Colossians 3 8. Filthy communication out of your mouth. This is a perverted generation. Every. Uh, element of communication has been invaded by sex. The imagery, the advertising, uh, the humor, the, uh, the uh, language, everything is polluted. And he says, lay aside uh, that uh, filthiness of speaking and communication that comes out of your mouth. Then Second uh, Peter 2.7. All right, then de de delivered just lot vexed with the filthy conversation. There it has to do with conduct, and it uh, speaks uh, it, its lifestyles. Actually, there uh, he was in Sodom. He's talking about sodomy, and this is what's there. Revelations uh, 2, uh, 11, 22, 11. All right, this is eternity. This is finality. And said, if that's your lifestyle, it's filthiness, then that's how you're going to remain uh, let him remain that way. In 1 Corinthians 6.11, one of the most powerful and glorious uh, texts of the entire New Testament. All right, here he talks about being washed, and it says that before you were uh, homosexuals, you're adulterers, you're unclean, you're all these uh, things. It gives tremendous hope, and that's through the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Probably the greatest curse of the human race is pornography and the sexu sexually titillating work of the media and I want to tell you, there's no hope outside the blood of Jesus Christ. Counseling won't help you. Nothing will help you but the blood of Jesus Christ. So sanctification is that great work of the Spirit. I want three more, four more scriptures, and then we'll open it for discussion. In this section here, 1 Thessalonians 4, 3 and 4. Somebody help me very quickly. 1 Thessalonians 4. John, 2 Thessalonians 2, 13. Uh, uh, Casey, 1 Peter 1, 2. Uh, 
Jonathan, Hebrews 10.29. Uh, Hernandez, Debbie Hernandez. All right, 1 Thessalonians 4, 3, and 4. Sanctification is that wonderful work whereby the Holy Spirit takes the human heart that repents and sets it apart to God is sanctified unto holiness. 1 Thessalonians 4, 3, and 4. And Second Thessalonians two thirteen. For we are bound to give thanks always to God, dear brethren, beloved by the Lord, who made God from the beginning, chose you for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit, and believe for the truth. And first Peter one uh, verse two. To obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ in Hebrews ten twenty nine. Okay, sanctification. We've got about five minutes. Uh, uh, question or input? Uh, Bear Montgomery. Talking to Jehovah Witnesses, you're wasting your time until they're saved. Same with Mormons. They know nothing about the understanding of the cleansing of the precious blood of Jesus Christ, uh, Carlene Croft. Yeah, isn't that wonderful? It's a lifestyle disease. And we're paying for their lifestyle, okay? So, uh, uh, the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Someone else have a thought about this, uh, Dennis? It's interesting how humanity, uh, because they're, they embrace and love their sin, how they'll turn to other alternatives to try to alleviate that guilt you're talking about, how uh, the desire of the human heart is to be cleansed. I was thinking about the homosexual movement altogether, how they're militant, uh, even infiltrating schools and whatever avenue they can to get society to accept them as a whole. Yes. And a lot of that has to do with that guilt they feel, yeah. that desire for cleansing. They believe that if society accepts them, that's what's going to yeah, That won't solve their problem. They're, every mass murderer is a homosexual. That's what they are. When you read it, the media will not put it out. That's what they are. They hate themselves. There's this perversity, this rage inside, and they satisfy that uh, with a rage upon society. And one more uh, comment, Jeff Brown. Very rare. A horrible thing to see people hardened and they go to their deathbed exactly like they live.